This is the Merienda Stories podcast. We aim to offer a virtual table for people all over the world to share their stories. Because we believe that exchanging life experiences is one of the best ways to learn, grow, and enrich life. We are just real people having real conversations about real life. Over a nice merienda, why not? My name is Anna. And I am Jesus. And, and we, we are, are your hosts at Merienda Stories. Welcome to episode four, I believe, Yay. correct? Yeah. <laughs> so today our guest is Ping Mendoza. Thank you so much, Ping, for joining. Ping is a good friend we met um, many, many years ago. <laughs> right now, so now Ping is already a father of two kids. Um, he is working uh, with a VC uh, that's investing in sustainable energy. Um, he's also quite active in uh, cryptocurrency, so I see a lot of posts from him. So this is why we're inviting him today. I feel like he's a person that I can learn a lot from, and hopefully you guys as well who are watching this can learn a lot from. So yeah, welcome to uh, Merienda Stories, Ping. Nice. Thanks for having me, Anna and Jesus. Um, and just you know, excited to talk with what little I know. Maybe I'll learn it as well through the conversation, and um, happy to be here. Awesome. Do you have any merienda, Ping? Yes, uh, <laughs> I noticed your merienda stories title, and I think I'm not sure if anyone's familiar with chicharron. We like it here What's... in the Philippines. It's either a snack or something you take with beer. Uh, it's very, very, uh, I guess, widespread here. It's pretty much um, like toasted. I don't know if it's toasted really. You dry it on pans. It's like chicken. Uh, sorry, it's usually pork skin. Mm. and some of the meat so it, it's uh it's very famous here yeah you do we have that. it also oh, we we have it also in spain it's called we are, i think we just call it cortezas but mm. yeah, we we also have that yes and you are having a beer with it of course it's 10 p.m over <laughs> here so awesome. yeah it's, it's really funny because it's 10 p.m there so you are more like in dinner mode but here is like 3 p.m., so more like coffee time. So uh, we are drinking coffee, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, Jesus is drinking coffee, but I'm actually drinking uh, this thing from Spain <laughs> also. It's called Ricore. So what is it, Jesus? Can you explain? <laughs> this is um, a mixture of coffee. It's 40% coffee and 60% a cereal called chicory. Yeah. I don't know the name chicory if it's the same in English, but it's like a cereal and 40% mm -hmm. coffee for those who doesn't want to drink only 100% coffee. Um, so I have it all the time in Spain and we have to import it because there is no such a thing in Germany. <laughs> and to accompany the, co the coffee, um, we also have some dark chocolate with almonds which I just got from Spain. My sister sent it to me. This is my favorite brand, Valor. You <laughs> <laughs> can also do hot, hot chocolate with it, uh, but also like that is super cool. So this is our merienda today. Yay. Sounds good. Cheers to you then. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> oh, can't wait to have a Filipino beer at some point soon. Nice. <laughs> good. So. Um, let's uh, start a little bit about general approach. So I think we were interested a little bit about your general perspective being about 
earning, saving, investing, spending. So basically, like, what principles do you follow, or what are your general like guidelines in the way that you do those things? Sure, and I think just to frame that um, topic, uh, like you mentioned, I have two kids, right? So it's fairly young family, so mm. you'd expect a lot of spending towards the family, the household. So I think um, what 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 I learned early, especially in in school where we uh, uh, went to in business school, there's like three views on money, right? So you have your income statement, you have your balance sheet, and you have cash flow. Mm. So I think of it that it's very much applicable to your household finances as well right yeah because yeah. your income statement is essentially like how much you make your revenue and how much you spend for a mm. period so i typically well i actually have this like google spreadsheet where i have like a five-year view on like what i expect to do with our family's budget mm -hmm. so mm. like every month how much is the rent how much is the, what i'm amortizing so it's all there in the spreadsheet and if I feel like I can convince my wife I can buy a nice car, I put it in like year X. <laughs> and then like, hey, I want to buy a car by then. But uh, so that's sort of like my, my income statement view. So your job or your, your business um, allows you to make the money that then you spend for the things that are valuable, right? Mm. But then I also think about in terms of balance sheet, you want to accumulate things that are of value. So you mm. need assets, not only to protect yourself in the long run, but that's 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 essentially the definition of wealth, right? It's it gives you optionality if you have enough assets, mm. either for a rainy day or at least you know for for whatever purpose you deem fit. Yeah. And then lastly, cash flow. You you, you want to be liquid because um, what use is an asset if it's not something you can easily um, tap? Mm. And I guess that's in a nutshell how uh, how I view it. Wow, have have you always been like that? Like that's that's really a very conscious way of thinking about it. I feel like I'm, you know, people more or less think about parts, you know, portions of that. But I feel like you're the first person who I heard actually, you know, articulate that, that way. Yeah. yeah, which is really impressive. <laughs> I think it's really cool. I mean, I think that makes sense. <laughs> well, to, to, to that point, I wasn't always like this, especially like early in my career. Yeah. Uh, when you first get your taste of a job, you make some money. Um, well, of course, being a father, you kind of get changed, I guess, when you yeah. kind of have to take care of like kids. Um, and also, I think it, it sort of like started when, um, well, when you're starting to make enough money that it mattered, right? Because I mean, early in your career, you're yeah. typically just enjoying because, you know, it's the first time to like, um, have some money, <clears throat> but it's not exactly. I mean, you can take the risks, right? But mm. as you progress your career, it kind of have to be more, I mm. guess, um, deliberate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I get, I get, I guess that's the point where you have already some money saved in the bank, and you say, "Where well, this money is there, and it's doing nothing. So what can I do with this?" Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Good. So how did you get into like a cryptocurrency? I think we wanted to first understand basics, like how does that, how does it work? <laughs> like basic description of that. Um, how did you get started into it? Um, yeah, maybe, maybe let's start there. Sure, um, I think it starts in 2017 when, I mean, through the normal course of my like work, I, I often need to research and like, 
mm-hmm. um, do, do a lot of, um, I guess, industry, in, in, you know, knowledge work. Um, I don't know if we mentioned uh, that currently I'm with a fund manager. So, you know, heavy on the research side, um, I'm not particularly a finance background, so I'm not exactly sort of a, a money manager. And I'm actually a marketing business dev type of guy. So in 2017, it was just a point of like, okay, how do, how do I make more money? Like my kid was growing up. I'm starting to feel the pinch of like paying for tuition mm-hmm. and needing to like plan ahead, right? And then back then I was working for one of the larger conglomerates here in the Philippines. It was a very secure, stable job, but you don't exactly like, grow mm. sort of like really fast in, in terms of income too right you feel safe mm-hmm. yeah but there isn't much upside year on year right mm. um and then there was this crazy thing in the news i was just every day reading bloomberg back b- before they would charge you to read their website oh, yeah. um, bitcoin was like increasing price like x times per week and it's like what is this thing mm. i don't i don't know where to begin right i mean I don't know what it is, why it's doing it, and is it, you know, is it, is it a scam? Is it, you know, um, it's, it's a very complex thing as I figured out later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't buy then. I just, it was just a curiosity. And I remember like tweeting or like posting online that whenever it's in the news, you know, it's too late. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I didn't buy. And then after a few <laughs> months, it just crashed, right? It's like from $20,000 down to like six and then three. Mm. That was a pretty much the start. Mm. So you went in at a good time, actually. <laughs> well, I actually just started going into it sometime in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, this was right after my second um, kid was born. Mm-hmm. So even more urgency to make money, yeah. right? I was like, oh, <laughs> what am I going to do? Oh, my God. So I better try this Bitcoin thing because it, it, it went to 20,000 before. Maybe it will. At that time, it was like 6,000 US, right? And then, of course, you know, I didn't know enough. A few weeks later, you know, the price would just, it's very volatile. It goes up and down, right. crazy, yeah, crazy swings. Yeah. And I didn't know enough. I ended up selling like a, a very small profit, right? I just, mm. oh, I don't know this thing. It, it didn't feel right when, you know, you're, mm. you're, you're too worried about something mm-hmm. because I didn't know enough, right? Mm. So sold early in 2019 and like, boom. That, that was sort of like my my end, the end of my actual holding Bitcoin then. Mm-hmm. But then in 2020, in February, um, mm-hmm. when, when I started this current role, one, I had a little bit more money, and two, um, I just needed to deep dive on like more financial things because, mm-hmm. I mean, that was my job. I bought some Bitcoin. I was thinking, okay, but now this is starting to be real because it's starting to go back again. I read some books. And then COVID happened. Mm. Like, the week of COVID, that was sort of like my second week of buying some Bitcoin again. And then the pr- price just crashed. Mm. Like yeah, yeah, half yeah. in a day. Yeah. And I said, okay, do I know this enough? Do I have enough conviction? Yes. So I doubled down and bought some more right there. Awesome. And kept buying up and now we're in 2021. Awesome. I am also a little bit into investment and stuff and I can only confirm everything that you say that when you are learning uh, volatility 
can drive you a little bit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you try to make you tend to make some mistakes, but this is always a learning process. And yeah, so looks like um, you learn well being. <laughs> I guess um, I'll probably add that um, a few years ago I was playing a lot of poker as well. So maybe that sort of like helped shape my view on money that there's really less need to worry about it if you kind of know what you're doing. Like you're not going to win every hand. Mm. But if you know that you're playing the right way and like you, you know something, you're in the long run going to um, be ahead. Mm -hmm. um, that, that probably shaped a little bit of like how I view it. But, but to your point, Anna, sort of like where I started, it wasn't like, okay, I'll start Bitcoin. Okay, now I'm doing Bitcoin. It's really a learning process. Yeah. And with so much information in the internet, it's just typically hard for people to get started. Right. Um, you can go to YouTube, you can do, go to Twitter, and like we'll probably get more into that later on. You said something before, being that uh, when it's in the news, it's already too late. <laughs> I totally agree on that. When it's in the news, the people who have influence have already bought and that's why the price is going up. But we are kind of um, experiencing something different in this time, right? Because the cryptocurrencies are going up without end. Currently now, November, 2021, sounds like a bad time to buy because it's already it has already multiplied by four in one year. So it's like a sign like, is it really a good moment or shall I wait that it corrects? And there are also, I don't know, stocks like Tesla, I don't know, Nvidia or so that they have multiplied like crazy in the last two years. And when you thought it was already too expensive and it was gonna crash, they multiplied again by two or three. So how do you see this, uh, this uh, phenomenon? Do you think it's gonna um, yeah, stay in the long term or do you think all these um, stocks or cryptocurrency could across uh, in the next month, couple of years? I think that's a great question. And I think that frames where we are in all markets. Um, so when I first bought that, that Bitcoin back in 2020, I needed to sort of understand what I'm buying, right? And typically people would define Bitcoin. It was first just Bitcoin, right? We we'll probably part the whole category crypto later on, but uh, so many define it as a decentralized digital money. So if you break it down, it's decentralized, meaning there's no single point of failure. It's maintained by a network of like so many computers globally so that when at least, you know, one of them survives, the network survives, right? So, and then it's digital because it's native to the internet. It's, it has no physical aspect except for the underlying infrastructure that maintains it, the miners, right? Um, we won't go into detail for that, but it's money. And I think that's um, your question, Jesus. What got me really hooked into it, the, the question of what is money. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the things I read, uh, I'll share some of the um, excerpts later on, but it appears that the way I thought money was, it's either dollars or like pesos over here. It's something you used to exchange for something, right? No. But Apparently, since 1971, uh, the money that we use isn't backed by anything. It's, it's just the paper that the government says has value. Mm. 
and I found out that you know in history people typically used gold as that sort of like real store of value, which it's just hard to use on a daily transaction, mm-hmm. which ended up being a paper-based monetary system, which we all have now. And when I deep dove into resources like realvision.com and some of the Twitter um, accounts that I follow, they discuss this in detail. Um, but it was this book, The Bitcoin Standard, that sort of frames that in a more sort of historical context. Mm-hmm. And it seems like especially because of COVID, but it actually started in 2008, that financial crisis we had back then, yeah. where government accelerated the yeah, increase yeah. in production of money. Yeah. So when you ask that, you know, Tesla stock is going up, in fact, most stocks are, real estate is going up, everything is going up, just in dollar terms. But if the dollar is also going up in volume, yeah. is the purchasing power you know, going up or down, I think that's what led me into Bitcoin, which because of its finite supply, people expect it to be that that hedge or like that way for you to store your purchasing power. So yeah. maybe that's a good place to pause. But it's true that um, I think that's why people hesitate because they don't understand like comparing it to like money. And this is what we've always been using, what we believe is the best store of our value. Um, but we don't realize that actually it started uh, the same way that Bitcoin is viewed today. It's a representation of something. Um, so it's essentially the same thing, except that um, money as it is, so dollars or euros, pesos, whatever, have been there way longer. So it's become kind of more widely accepted, right? But so I think, yeah, it's, it's really something. That's why we want to have these kinds of conversations. It's just casual, but trying to really understand it and make it more accessible and make it more yeah, easy to understand for people. Being you have talked about gold. Do you think cryptocurrencies are replacing gold as value vaults? Or do you think it's just another alternative to gold? I think in the short term, it's just another alternative. Like for example, you know, when the internet started, pencils actually increased in volume, right? I mean, mm-hmm the human race <laughs> manufactured more pencils when mm. the internet started. So, you know, you could write <laughs> online, but that's just like a metaphor I use. When yeah, I, I love that example. <laughs> but I mean, in the long run, like, you know, a long time from like, you know, civilizational time horizon, I think it should simply because one, ask any young person now, do they even want gold? Like, mm. I mean, we as society think gold is valuable, but as we move towards the internet, I mean, we're sharing this piece of reality through Zoom and like, this is life now. A lot of our waking hours will move to the internet. Mm. There, there's, an, there's a need for something that works well with that, I guess, digital um, society that we're leading to. Yeah. Um, now, cryptocurrencies in general as a store of value, I'm sure some of them will fail. But Bitcoin itself, it, given its you know decentralized nature, no one even knows who actually started the thing. Right. It's just no single point of failure. It's it's gonna be there even you know much longer than anyone expects, just because you know it's it's un, unstoppable. How do you like compare actually the different coins, and how do you yeah how what makes it or yeah what's your criteria in general? How would you differentiate the the different ones that are available? 
Sure, and there's like a lot, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I started with Bitcoin because, yeah. you know, that whole money printing thing and like, um, like I said earlier, like, you know, there's a balance sheet view and there's a there's an income statement view. I knew that Bitcoin was sort of like the, an asset that, um, I guess, in our in previous generations or like in our parents' time, it was land. You, mm. you wanted to buy a piece of land because that's something you can give to your kids. I was thinking of my kids. So Bitcoin was like, okay, that's, as long as you know the password, you can get this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that was my view of Bitcoin. So I have some Bitcoin that's like reserved for like severe emergencies or like uh, family wealth. And then of course, being human, I also was sort of like wanna take a step on a riskier view mm. where other cryptos could be. Cause let's say, you know, yeah, Bitcoin's fine and all, but if something can outperform it, then maybe I get some way to either buy more Bitcoin or, mm. you know, just just get more returns. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, I guess it's a question of like risk. How much more risk do you want? Mm. And from my view, I have, a, you know, I have three buckets. Mm. I have my huddle or like your forever hold mm. position. And then I have sort of like a swing bucket where it's on an app that earns interest and easy enough to move around. Mm. And I, I rarely do. It's mainly Bitcoin, Ethereum, and like the blue chips, I guess. And then I have like a very, very small part of my my portfolio that's more for trading opportunistically. Mm. If let's say I catch a, a certain, I, I observe some hype on Twitter or like some of the communities I am part of. So I put a little bit there. Mm. They tend to be very volatile and crazy, but you expect more with more risk, right? Interesting. So uh, is that equally split, like 30, 30, 30? No, no. How do you... At some point, at some point it did just because it, you know, these smaller ones really run pretty fast. Yeah. But what I try to do is like skim the top and then put it to the, Mm. you know, the longer term holds. Yeah, cool. Just to the risk, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking because like I, I don't know what... I'm doing. I mean, let's put it out there. <laughs> so I, I mean, I just bought gold actually, uh, stock for gold like two months ago, and I'm not sure if it was the right move or not. But I did that. <laughs> I'm watching it drop now, but let's see. Um, and then we've been talking also like a lot about you know you talked about land for example, and I think my pers- I think I don't have the the clarity yet or the strong conviction enough to stick to one strategy. So I think what's happening to me, this is why I was asking, is it 30, 30, 30, or how are you kind of making your decisions? Because I feel like my, I don't have that strong of a conviction. So my strategy is pretty random and I'm just kind of putting a little bit in each and I, I really don't know where to go next. <laughs> and you talked a little bit about land. This is also a question that we have, like it's real estate, or, you know, it's something that also makes you feel secure. But so far, you know, most of my savings are in some sort of investments in stocks, different levels of risk also. But yeah, so I was just wondering what your general perspective is. And you also talked earlier about like, um, you look at it as a balance sheet and you kind of really assess your assets and all of that. So maybe let's take it further than crypto. Like how do you look at crypto in, within your total you know, um, portfolio of assets? Frankly, since COVID happened, I've actually moved like significantly huge, almost all of my liquid net worth in crypto 
-hmm. because one I used to have like this um it's it's quite popular here in the Philippines you know insurance back investments where every month you put in uh, yeah. it's like a unit trust um mm -hmm. and they say oh if you're like 8% on your stock portfolio every year then you have a retirement account what I did was at that point remember it was covid and it was crazy time I wanted to de-risk. I didn't want to sort of rely on an intermediary or like uh, that mm. insurance firm. I don't even know if they're going to be alive 50 years from now. So what I did was, okay, I know I can hold my Bitcoin and like as long as there's an internet connection, I can access it. I felt less risk at risk actually by doing Bitcoin. So I moved everything there. Mm. Um, but to sort of like answer the portfolio view, um, of course I have uh, some holdings in real estate on a practical view, because I have kids, I want to build a house, mm -hmm. sort of like a place to root the family. Mm. Um, and then just some practical stuff, like, you know, car is not even an asset, but um, mm. yeah, so it's pretty much all in mm. liquid, like part-wise in crypto. Yeah. Um, and it's within crypto that I sort of like change it up, right? Because, you know, I, yeah. I have the least risky, which is Bitcoin. Then there's some, I would even call them bets. Right. And other cryptos, right? Hmm. With the with the view that if they work, then I can buy more Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you really yeah see that as the core. Uh, interesting. Mm. It's really about yeah. That's what I'm missing in my own way of thinking. I think just do find this strategy and mm. kind of stick to it and have strong enough convictions to actually believe in that and go that that way. So. Yeah. And I think you use the right word, like conviction, just because, I mean, there, there's a saying in the Bitcoin community, or like Twitter in general for crypto, DYOR, right, or do your own mm -hmm. research. Because when, you're, when you have a portfolio of investments, it's the stuff that you don't really know, like I did back in the first time I, I did Bitcoin and I didn't know enough, that actually makes you sell too early or like not hold it to then, you know, realize the returns that you were hoping for. So when you know about it enough and you know not only research, but also knowing how you are with your investments, that's then you build conviction and that's when you can say, okay, that's what I'm gonna do, right? It's, it's not exactly about the asset, but it's more of how you are thinking about it. And then like- Exactly. You gonna... Because you trust what you are doing and you have bought and you don't and it and it doesn't matter if it goes 30 or 50 percent because you know it's uh, yeah, volatility and actually in that case you are almost not really glad but you take probably opportunity to buy more if you have some uh, liquidity available uh, and because you trust it you are not going to sell with losses but you are going to be patient mm. and you are going to buy and you're going to keep it for years and at the end you will get hopefully a great return <laughs> so yeah exactly. i totally yeah. agree with that risk so, reward yeah. so if people so for people who don't know anything about it or have just heard about this term so guys we're not going into the basics of it so maybe you can search other videos that talk about basics of um cryptocurrency blockchain just google those terms um, but maybe some advice from you, Ping, how would you recommend somebody to start like books? I think you mentioned already some books, uh, I don't know, people that you follow or videos that you would recommend to watch channels to, sure. subscribe to. Mm -hmm. yeah. Happy to. Um, so there's this, uh, YouTube channel, 
and he's also quite active on Twitter. Um, Anthony Pompliano or Pomp, P-O-P-P-O-M-P. Mm-hmm. He has a daily sort of like business show on YouTube. His Twitter is quite active. Mm-hmm. But what I like about him is he translates sort of like a lot of the complexity into like simpler language. Oh. So I think that's a good person to like um, look up. Um, and then, like I said, Bitcoin Standard by Seyfedin Amos, that's quite foundational in that what is money question. So mm. that's sort of like how I got into, you know, the gold standard, why it worked for like, you know, a long, long time ago and why what happened mm. since 1971. Um, and I think you've seen some of my posts on Instagram of some of those charts, amazing things that, you know, 1971 was like, yeah. apparently some pivotal moment in history and everything just went pretty bad after that, supposedly. Um, and then you could also check out, there's this um, very interesting character. His name is Michael Saylor. He's the CEO of MicroStrategy, which is basically the first public listed company in the US that bought Bitcoin and put it in their corporate balance sheet. Mm. And he's like one of the, I guess one of the clearest um, people to articulate, although to, to be frank, he's quite, he's quite all in on Bitcoin, right? So, you know, take it as it is, mm-hmm. but he's very mm-hmm. well, very well um, able to communicate on a, you know, first principles analysis, engineering background, and not really hype. So I hope that helps. Cool. No, that's a lot. That's great. Sounds great. <laughs> and do you, do you have any sources to pick up crypto? Like you will say, okay, uh, these two cryptos are probably the next ones I want to invest on. Great question. Um, I think, especially for beginners, there are some apps that are more regulated. So I suggest to, for them to start there. Like for example, here in the Philippines, we have uh, the central bank actually regulates some apps like Coins.ph that allows them to get exposure to some crypto. But for the sort of like next cryptos that may be worth their attention, I would suggest people to look what they're interested in because there's so many. Um, so different cryptos are trying to do different, you know, use cases, and they're, they're, it, it kind of needs you to be aligned with what they're trying to do, right? Because then you don't really know what you're you're looking into. So I see things in the energy space. There's some um, that more on like NFTs or like art, digital art is is a big thing now. So um, yeah, I think it also comes down to like you as an investor, what are you particularly interested in? And Twitter for, you know, for all its failings and beauty, it's really where a lot of stuff is picked up on. So. Mm -hmm. What's an NFT? (laughs) Great question. And we probably (laughs) run out of time, but technically it's, it's, uh, it's a way to make, scarcity happen in the internet yeah so by definition like it's not fungible so you can't move it around so easily so let's say we take a recording of this this video it's easy to right click and copy paste right but the nft what it allows is it's attached to a token mm. which verifies that that's the original copy mm. and determ- so that there's an owner specifically determined for it yep. yeah Oh, crazy. I've been reading a lot about these NFTs related to like celebrities and all of that. 
I think it's very interesting social, you know, something to look into socially as well. But as you said earlier, it's it, these things are evolving because society is evolving and what we value, exactly. like th- what we value as humans is changing. So this is totally. what, why all of these things are popping up, right? Because all of these are representation of value. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to follow it because it also kind of gives you an insight into humanity and what's happening to our society today. So yeah, mm-hmm. really interesting. Absolutely. Bing. I think on... Sorry, go ahead. Please, please. Yeah, I, I was just gonna um, add some emphasis there because what Anna said reminded me of like something I picked up on when I was playing poker. That what do you? It's a question, right? What do you want to? What do you want to do? Do you want to make money or be right? So mm-hmm. sometimes <laughs> when you're investing, it's hard to like let go of the things that you know you're really right about. Mm. But at the end of the day, if it's an investment or it's something about money, the goal is to just make more money, right? And crypto mm. is a very complicated thing. And it's actually some of those who have tightly held beliefs that find it hard to like really get into uh, it. Mm. So like what you said, Anna, you know, society itself is changing. Like I, I see my kids, they're attending classes on an iPad. That's gonna change some things 20 years from now, right? Right, for sure. Yeah. Yeah crazy how it's so, gonna yeah it's scary but exciting i don't know <laughs> you just said ping that uh, cryptocurrencies are very complex and i totally believe that but i can imagine many many people who have made a lot of money in the last one or two years with cryptocurrency probably think that it's very easy and that they are gonna be making money forever and tripling their money every year what would you say to those people? <laughs> <laughs> well, firstly, congrats. <laughs> exactly. You made exactly. A lot of money. Um, Absolutely. But but I guess uh, for anyone watching this, I guess it's it's it is risk, right? Not only because it's an investment, but it's also we don't really know what's going to happen. That that's the, that's the that's the core of investing. You you don't know what's going to happen. It's a bet that. If your bet works out, then you make you get the rewards, right? You took the risk and then you get compensated for it. I would say that for those who um, made a lot of money and know what they're doing, they're probably not, uh, it's not worthwhile for them to hear what I'm gonna say. <laughs> but for those who sort of like locked into it, um, I, I mean, some of my friends ask me this also because some of them who follow me on Instagram or like, or, or like Facebook, some of them even say thanks. Um, now they're not sure because we're in the time of the market where heading into the, the, the end of the year, people say, oh, maybe next year it's gonna crash again, four year cycles. I mean, it comes down to like what's valuable to you, right? I mean, the point is not to have as many Bitcoin unless that's what you want. Mm-hmm. Like I know, I know I'm doing this because I wanna build a house. I want to have a nice car. I mean, mm. there's like some things that are specifically in my spreadsheet, mm. <laughs> in mm. my Google Google Sheets <laughs> of like family planning mm. that I need to take off, right? Bitcoin as money should be is a way that, for yeah. you to make it, right? Mm. So I hope that helps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you are working in the renewable energy sector. Uh, not only for that sector, but how do you think that crypto impacts on uh, other sectors? 
Good question. And since like a few months ago, that was a big issue, right? They're saying that, you know, Bitcoin is bad for the environment because like uses so mm -hmm. much energy. Um, the, the way I think about it is Bitcoin is actually quite efficient in the sense that you directly use the electricity into money. Right. And so many things that we do need energy, whether it's human energy or like machine or like fuel that don't really produce value for society. Mm -hmm. um, so that's sort of like that clears my thinking of like for crypto or Bitcoin at least. But its impact though, is going to be so profound. I can't, I'm not sure we are able to anticipate it well because everything's happening so fast. Mm. And it's not just crypto that's moving so fast. You know, we have, you know, uh, like I know a little about it, artificial intelligence. I'm taking up a data science course right now. Oh, wow. It's, it's, it's quite profound how machines can be adept at learning on their own. That's gonna change many things. And of course, you know, electric vehicles, and then genetics even. There's, there's so many things that are gonna change how society sort of like behave, behaves. And crypto is just one layer of that. I think that's sort of like the money layer. Mm -hmm. We're gonna change sort of like the, the energy layer and there's sort of like a centralized going into a decentralized layer where like, for example, in my field, decentralized meaning you're seeing rooftop solar panels on, on, on houses now, instead of like one large power plant in some far flung area, right? Mm -hmm. We're gonna see that in like technology or, mm -hmm. or sorry, in, in food, mm -hmm. 3D printing. There's just so many things happening and they're building on top of each other and it's going to be an exciting, but, you know, um, volatile, right? Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why, why did you decide to, to study data science? Because it sounds like, you know, you're anticipating what's going to happen in the future. And we, yes, we can't, while well, we can't anticipate it, there are certain steps that you probably want to take to be able to kind of be prepared and keep up to date. So I'm wondering if that's related to that or why did you decide to to yeah, take a that, course on that. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, that, that was my contemplation. And there's so many things that's gonna happen. Yeah. And data science sort of like allows you to, one, of course, interpret data, but also to tell the story about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's one thing to have data and then like, you know, make an analysis, but then to effectively communicate it and then have people, you know, make, I guess smarter decisions. Yeah. That's, that's gonna be valuable, I guess, I hope. Super cool, yeah, yeah, no, definitely, yeah, interesting. So you're you're doing like a a, a program in it, or what is what is it? So there's um, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with the Asian Institute of Management, right? Yeah. AIM. Yeah. So they have this master in data science. I actually took a leave because I couldn't juggle work with it, but I finished my first term. Hopefully, mm -hmm. I get back next next um term to like finish. I have like three more terms to go into it, but Three they give me five years to finish it anyway. Right, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. we'll see. I mean, nice. the moonshot is if Bitcoin or like crypto goes up so much, I can like take a sabbatical and just <laughs> finish my, yeah, right, my, right. my course. Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. And who knows what value that will bring you anyway, right? As yeah. well. So, yeah. Imagine Bitcoin goes to $1 million. It could go. One million dollars. Yeah. Probably not gonna happen next year, but 
Maybe, I hope not so. Not next year, but in 20, in 20 years, why not? I mean, yeah. I could see that happening. Yeah. Right, yeah. Give it enough time, I think. Give it enough time. Exactly. And yeah. My worry is, it may be a million dollars, but what are you going to be able to buy with that million dollars? Mm, by then. <laughs> well, probably more than when the, with the thousand dollars that you bought crypto initially. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah, because where, would, where else would you have put the thousand? Yeah, true. Yeah, good. So I think maybe we can close with like general advice for people. Sure. And again, this is not financial advice, right? I'm in no way in a position to tell you what's um, good for your money. But I think more than anything, but it's the process of learning that's valuable here. Because like we said earlier, and, and Jesus, I think, articulated that well, that when you don't know it enough, it's the volatility that sort of kills you, right? Mm. Whether you sell too early or like, um, I know I'm too exposed when I can't sleep at night or like I kept che checking the prices. Oof, that's yeah. not healthy. Right. Um, yeah, maybe the I second know. piece there. <laughs> <laughs> I know also right? because of him. <laughs> So, so maybe sometimes take a step back, you know, I mean, five minutes will probably not change your life, right? Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to money. Um, I, I guess the second part is, um, I guess the, the, the learning part is more of a discovery process rather than a sort of like linear or, I mean, we're so used to school that you start the same, you end it with like, go, completing certain requirements, right? Mm -hmm. I think right now, the best way to go about it is more of like iteratively. Okay, you mm -hmm. learn, you're for sure gonna make some mistake, but then you pick the path yes, that's yeah. next mm -hmm. rather than a linear view, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that applies okay. not only to crypto, but you know, so many things that's changing the world, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that you accept that failure is just kind of an essential part of it, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, then, for sure, go ahead. for sure, try to learn from the mistakes that others already did so that you don't make the same mistakes, but you always have to do your own mistakes. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the third part, and just to sort of wrap that up is it's, it's a question of like three things for me. What's your risk preference? What's your time preference? And what's your liquidity preference? I got this from this ex-hedge fund guy who runs realvision.com. You can, you can go to their website. They have a whole crypto section that's free, no you know, free membership. And there's a lot of videos there, but just to highlight that risk time and liquidity preference. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so how much risk are you willing to take, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of like how much you're putting in and how, how you're able to sort of withstand the volatility, that's your risk preference. Time preference is how long is this thing for you, right? Is it a next month thing, mm. a five-year thing, or like twenty-year thing? And then the last part, liquidity. When something doesn't go your way, how fast do you need to like exit? Mm. What's your exit plan, right? Um, and it's it's around those three questions before I like okay, click to buy something. Mm. Wow, well, yeah. guides it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And do you so. follow up question? <laughs> um, do you have like who who do you talk to about these things? Like, do you have a you know 
because I, I read a lot, I watch videos and all of that, but when I'm still, like I said, it's about conviction, which probably I'm missing. But when it's about, when I'm about to make a decision, it's still very difficult for me compared to like other decisions, like, I don't know, taking a new job or choosing an apartment where I can talk to my friends, I talk to my family. I'm just wondering, like, who do you, who do you normally like, go to to be able to process these? Or is it something that you feel confident about on your own? I think that was a challenge earlier on, like early 2020. It's yeah. very, very difficult to find people to talk about this yeah. particularly. Yeah. Um, so I guess that was also why I started posting online, like my stories. It also was a way for me to crystallize what I know. And the, the offshoot was some of my friends would give me feedback, right? Mm. And it's through their questions that I actually started to learn even more. Um, yeah. So, so like I said earlier, it's not a linear thing. You just kind of feel your way through so many points and see what you can get and piece it together for your own, um, I guess, view. Uh, Twitter has been very helpful because I guess for some reason, the crowd or the hive is able to like, uh, what would be the word? I mean, like su support the, each other and like, yeah. It's not support. It's like it, the cream rises to the top. Like mm -hmm. some of the nonsense is there, but for some reason, the more you tweet about it, the more you, 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 you apply your interest into like the systems around us. Of course, you know, the algorithms just um, suggest things for you, right? Yeah. And you just kind of have to be more critical in what you, you get value Consume. from. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Be, be purposeful and like why something is resonating with you. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, super cool. I think I'm, I'm really learning a lot because I feel like um, these topics, you're right, the more you talk about it, the more you reach out, it also helps you, it helps others. And basically you're just like um, making yourself, uh, like putting yourself into a situation where you have the opportunity to learn. So you're grabbing that, that opportunity. And I really love what you said about um, just need to know what you believe in and like create your own convictions and make your own like, kind of yeah decisions and this will help kind of guide guide that so ah really cool yeah. <laughs> and this is why we wanted to have that kind of conversation um, because we are looking for people to talk about these things with. yeah absolutely it was a really interesting talk Bing thank you very much for uh, spending this time with us and we also hope that our, our listeners love it as much as we did mm -hmm. spend this time with you <laughs> i hope so too and thanks for having me so it's good to meet you and anna it's been a while but thank you again for reaching out and like spending time it's been great totally thanks for letting us pick your brain <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I have a beer so that's that's good time spent cheers <laughs> absolutely cheers cheers and thank you very Thanks much. Thank you for joining us at Miranda Stories. Tune in next time for more stories. Real people having real conversations about real life. Over a nice Miranda. Gracias. Salaming salamat. <laughs>